Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hello. Hello. What's up, world? <laughs> What's up, Mr. Worldwide? Only to Pitbull. We're recording only to Pitbull now. The only Pitbull songs I know are Timber and uh, the one from Men in Black 4. Or Men in Black 3? Men in Black 3. How many Men in Blacks is there? I don't... <laughs> there's the first one, which is the best one. There's a second well, yeah. one, which I haven't seen. And then there's the third one where they go back in time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen more than the first one. Uh. I was, like, vaguely aware there was a second one. I didn't know there was a third and fourth one. I think there's just a third one. I don't know. Fact check me, audience. <laughs> right in. What's your favorite <laughs> Men in Black? <laughs> If it's anything but the first one. Yeah, Yeah. that's the only good one. Uh, There's just so many sequels to so many movies nowadays that it's really hard to keep track of what's what. Yeah, and even if there's, like, not a sequel, it's like, oh, we're relaunching this. And it's like, okay. I have a similar story about sequels. Tell me. So we went to trivia this week, and at the beginning, they give you this piece of paper with, like, nine, like, images on it. Mm-hmm. And it's so the question is usually related to the images. In this case, it was like basically what movie is this? Yeah. And there was a picture of um, Mystique from X Men Three, and it's when uh, Magneto's breaking her out of the uh, the armored car thing, and yes. uh, so she, so she's got like the handcuffs around the neck of the guy. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's from X Men Three: The Last Stand. And Brian was like, no, I think it's from X-Men 1. And I'm like, no, Brian, this is the scene where they break her out of the armored car, blah, 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 blah. And I was like explaining it to him. And he's like, no, I think it's X-Men 1. And I'm like, all right, you can think that, but I'm right. And he's like, (laughs) let's bet a beer on this. And I said, yes, let's. As it turned out, she would have accepted any X-Men. She would have just accepted X-Men as an answer. But it was X-Men 3. I was right. Of course. What Do an not idiot. doubt me. I wouldn't doubt you. I would be in total agreement with you. Total agree. Fucking but... idiot. Thinks he knows things. Idiot. <laughs> Dang. Has <laughs> got irrationally mad at him for not knowing about X-Men movies. Jeez. I hate him. I don't, I don't even know who this is. I just hate him. Yeah. He's, he's usually pretty good at movie answers, but... With trivia, I have a very like limited knowledge of things but i know those things really well so i'm like a specialist kind of that sounds like a great thing to be in trivia because a lot of those questions are very freaking specific yeah Um, we like we did a harry potter one recently and it went from like like level one was like what's the name of the actress that played uh professor mcgonagall and I was mm-hmm. like, obviously, I've got this, but 
it it just got worse from there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like that was the easy round. And then um, they had questions like the next round was like, what is the move in Quidditch where you like blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I who the fuck knows this? I have no idea. And it was like a pretty complex one as well. The Ronsky faint? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the wonky faint? The wonky faint. I don't know what it was exactly. I, I don't really remember because um, it was taking so long. All I remember is everybody I was with was like really upset. And then Scott, my Beyonce, <laughs> he went up and complained. And everybody was like, oh, God, no, pretend we're not here with him. They're looking at us. They know it's us that's complaining. No, oh, run away. No. And so we left before trivia was over because he complained. And we all, the rest of us were like, oh, we have to leave now. Did he mansplain? No, he was just like, you guys, like, you're doing one round of questioning, and then we're sitting here for 20 minutes waiting for you to get to round oh. two. He's, you have nine rounds of trivia, and it's supposed to go from, like, you know, eight to ten or whatever. And oh. he was like, we've been here for an hour, and we're on round two. Like, what are you doing? Oh, that's <laughs> bullshit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the trivia we used to go to in where I used to live they also did that, and that's because they were trying to push people to, like, go buy more drinks, go buy more food. And, yeah, it was just so freaking annoying. Because, I mean, they, they also give you, like, more points. They give you bonus points, like, the more beers you've bought at the beginning uh, of the what? round. Fuck that. <sighs> yeah, it's like, I get it. You're trying to push business for the bar that's hosting you, but, like, the, the trivia that we go to here doesn't do that, and I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. It's just like, it's really chill. I can't wait for you to come visit. And then I'll take you to trivia. Yes, I can't wait to come do some trivia. <laughs> That's why I'm coming to visit you is only for the trivia. I mean, it's it's a good, it's worth it. It is worth a plane ticket out here. I'm into it. I'll do it. I'm ready to do trivia. Nice. Nice yawn. Yeah, I covered it up by making it into a loud, loud, <laughs> yeah, you know. Everyone gets mad when I try to speak while yawning. They make fun of me. I feel like we used to do that constantly to each other. I, I mean, yeah, it was never a problem. We, Yeah, what's wrong with the people that you're with now? They're the worst. I just have things to say, and I'm not willing to stop saying them just so I can yawn. Like, come on, people, get on my level. Also, we were perpetually exhausted. If we paused every time we yawn, we would never get anything communicated. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Those idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they never went to art school. They don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand. Like, it's not some... You can't, like, Marco your way through your fucking homework. You can't just write down bullshit. You're drawing. You can tell if it's shittier than usual. <laughs> Marco, Marco. Him and Heck. his bullshit emails. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a good time. Shall we... That's a good segue into the plot. Shall we jump in on that? Yeah, let's jump in on this. Do it. This is a very <laughs> internet-heavy book, which I wholeheartedly appreciated. And it was very, very, um, it, it's a specific year to two year period <laughs> <laughs> that this covers. <laughs> oh, oh my God, you've got mail. <laughs> you They legit, you've got mail. They did that. <laughs> they did that. 
Oh my god. But yeah, it's so good. Our our cold open is with Jake talking about how he decided on his username that he types in, which is bball24. <laughs> I love this. So it's because he likes basketball and his best game ever, he got 24 points. So Yep. And it was available on the first try. So. <laughs> that was a more innocent time. That was a more innocent time when your usernames were immediately available. Yeah. I miss oh. those days. So he, he typed in his uh, his username, and uh, he's, like, just dicking around on the internet for a while. And he gets an email from Cassie, in quotation marks. <laughs> and I just, let me go ahead and, and I almost said pull up this email for you. It's in a book. <laughs> I'm not pulling it up. But, um, yeah. So... Anyway, oh, also, I liked that he talked about how many, um, is it bytes per second? Oh, yeah. He said he connected at 38,400 bytes per second. And he's like, I wish I had a faster modem, but this one is better than the old 14,400. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. So he gets an email from Cassie98, which I'm just going to read for you guys, like, straight up right now. Because it's so good. And it goes, Jake. Oh, baby, you are the man for me. I love your big manly shoulders. I love your piercing brown eyes. They are brown, right? But most of all, I love the macho, manly way you boss us all around, snapping out orders left and right. I think of you as the new Clint Eastwood. I must have you all to myself. Signed, Cassie XXX. (laughs) Beautifully done. (laughs) So beautiful. And then Jake, (laughs) he responds to this email. In the best way possible. And his response is, Cassie, you know I like you too, but I have vowed not to get involved with any girl until my best friend Marco gets at least one girl to like him. And since we know that's never going to happen, I guess we'll never get together. Signed, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Oh, man. This was such a good opening. Like, it was very, um, it was very kind of minimal on the... These are yurks. This is the situation. This is the plot. Blah, blah, blah. And it was just more into the, like, witty banter. And I appreciated that. And it never really pulled us out of that either. Like, it it just remained, like, witty banter. And even when describing the characters, other than Rachel's descriptor, it, it was very much still that, like, witty banter or the very quick descriptions, like... You should kind of know the characters now, so we're going to give you the description, but it's like, you know, it's not as involved as it has been in the past books. Mm -hmm. Like, we're really, it's, it really starts to feel to me like we're hitting that stride now where it's like, okay, we're on book, you know, 16. You should kind of, like, maybe be into the series a little bit and at least be able to, like, (laughs) roll with it. (laughs) Although, based on people that we've talked to about Animorphs, um, I think it was, like, Stephanie in particular said that they read the books out of order. And I think we've had some people write in saying that, like, yeah, I started with book three, and then I read book 16, and then I just read all the Tobias books and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Um, it seems like a lot of people just picked their favorite character's book and kind of stuck with, like, whenever that one's published, I'll read theirs. mm Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. Like, I feel like... That also might have been the case because this is such a long series and like you go to a library and you maybe find like a few books out of order and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, well, I still want to read Animorph, so they don't have book four, but I'll just, you know, I'll pick up book 15 and just read it. Right. 
And, I mean, you still got a description. It's just, like, I'm not being hammered over the head with it like I like we have been. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I feel like you still get a sense of the characters, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was the open. Um, and then, like, the next scene, the next chapter is everybody gathered at Jake's house. And that's kind of where we get the character descriptions of these books. But the main point of that chapter is more to talk about the fact that he googled the word yerk and or yahooed or aol'd or Ask america Jeeves. yeah or Ask Jeeves or what was he it search worldwide america he search ended yerk and he actually got some hits and so he invited everybody over as they so often do in this scenario to just show them what they found and discuss what's going on and we get like the quick rundown and the only one that sticks out well stuck out to me was Rachel um, not because she's my favorite, but because he <laughs> has started saying, like, hey, like, my cousin, like, you know, he gave that weird thing that you hate where he's like, everybody thinks she's beautiful, but I don't because she's my cousin. Right. Um, but then he started talking about, like, man, she's, like, she's a warrior princess person, and, like, I don't know what she would be like without the war. Like, I, she's, mm-hmm. I don't know what she'd be like anymore. Yeah, and, I, re- I wrote that down, too, that um, he doesn't think that if they all had a chance to go back to normal life, if she would ever be able to. Yeah, and not to skip ahead too far, but in a couple chapters, he kind of has that conversation with Marco about himself. But that's all I will say for now, because we'll get to it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I have a question for you at that point. Okay. I just thought that was an interesting observation to make, because that reminded me of... Uh, book seven i think when um when rachel had the chance to move with her dad to the new city mm-hmm. yeah and how like tempted she was by a normal life yeah you know and here yeah. and here you have someone on the outside saying that like i he doesn't think she'd ever really end up going for that like she'll be too changed by the war and she'll be kind of restless i think it's like when um ex-military want to go into like law enforcement or firefighting or something like that because mm-hmm. maybe they just don't settle well back into a normal life like they need to be in the action because that's what they're used to i don't know yeah and he's i mean that that's a really interesting thing to think about like if rachel after the war ends would she have gone into a military mm-hmm. or a police or fight. I wonder if she would have gone into something like that just because she still has that need, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Anyways, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep going because we'll come back to this point at, sure. a little bit later in the book. Cool. Um, yeah, so they're, they're all around uh, checking out this website where they're talking about Yerks and um, it's a very, very slow website, and X is complaining about this because, you know, it's the 90s, and the pictures load one bar at a time across the screen. So good. Oh, so, so good. And X is like, are you guys serious? Like, what is wrong with all of you? <laughs> um, and then he has another moment of, like, you invented everything backwards. He's like, because they find a chat room in there, and he's like, why would you chat on the internet when you have phones now? And they're like, actually, the phone was invented first. And he's like 
why? Why would you invent the phone first and the chat room second? And why would you invent a computer after a book? It makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty awesome. Um, But yeah, so they they join the scheduled chat that's that's going to happen. Um, There's talk about disabling cookies so that nobody can find you. Um, And I feel like while that's a good start, it's not like super for real gonna help you that much because like mm-hmm. you know ip addresses and things whatever. yeah um, um at at this point did cassie already start ranting about technology and how stupid it is she did as soon as they said the cookies thing she was like why oh, do you yeah. call it cookies that's so stupid yeah so i i think in an earlier podcast you had mentioned that ka applegate wasn't a fan of like technology Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I just kind of wonder if she's using Cassie and to some extent acts as kind of like a mouthpiece here. Oh, absolutely she is. <laughs> oh, she's like, I fucking hate computers. Cookies are stupid. <laughs> uh, which is really, it, it adds an extra level of hilarious to me here because they... Um, Axe kind of mentions a few things about the Andalite Chronicles, like mm-hmm. just vague callbacks to it. Yeah. And... It, like, the funny thing is, is, in the Chronicles, she's like, oh, yes, you know, my <laughs> Alfangor explained things as, like, windows and, like, blah, 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 to uh-huh. make it easier for humans to understand. And yet here she is, like, oh, this is so stu- Why would you call it a cookie? This is so stupid. And it's like, <laughs> theoretically, Alfangor was the one that called it that, <laughs> like, in this universe of thought, right? Right. Uh, well, yeah. But she was definitely using the character as a mouthpiece here to say that i also enjoy how like this is jumping kind of way ahead but i love Mm -hmm. the assumption that like everything related to computers was invented only because of aliens coming into the world like humans could not possibly (laughs) come up with this shit on their own they had to have alien help yep yes (sighs) they did commentary (laughs) yeah i mean it not not that it not to be super conspiracy theory here, but like you know when you're looking at the techno technological shifts, like it was such a fast progression mm-hmm. from like you know airplane to space flight to internet, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, wow, like humans made those leaps extraordinarily fast. It like one could reason if one was into this sort of thing, like yeah, <laughs> aliens did help. I'm not saying they did, guys. I don't believe that personally. (laughs) I'm just saying one could argue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So they they schedule they join the scheduled group chat. Um, Axe in about three minutes flat writes them a script that makes them completely hack proof, and they join in. Um, so I get into the chat room and they're kind of expecting that like nobody's going to really know what's going on, but they're surprised because there's people in here who might know something about Yerks. Um, and the only one they expect of being an actual Yerk is the screen name Yerk Hater with an eight because like (laughs) skater boy. Yeah. Um, and then they end up focusing kind of on them and then really more on this one kid who's, uh, it's Gump. And then some numbers, but I just call him Gump in my notes. Forrest, and it's Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump. <laughs> it was like a box of chocolate. <laughs> um, yeah, but he seems to be some young kid whose dad was recently infested. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, my dad has changed. Everything's fucked up. I heard him talking the other day, blah, blah, blah. 
And um, your cater goes, oh, talk to your dad about it. And all these other people just jump on him like, no, don't talk to your dad about it. Don't do that. Don't. They'll get you. They'll come after you next if they think that you you know. Um, and then this is kind of broken up with this guy named Fighty joins in. And he seems to have an idea of like some where some new controllers are, where there's a new York pool, things like that. And mm-hmm. so they're like... All right, we need to find out who all these people are because, like, we could have allies here. We could identify enemies here. Um, Cassie is very much pushing, like, we could save Gump. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they decide to hack into Web Access America or AOL (laughs) to find out who these people are. Oh, man, that was so amazing. I love when, when she, like, takes things and cleverly renames them but you can still tell what the original source is that's like my favorite shit i love it i love it too and i like she doesn't i it's like not even like she's trying to hide it it's more like ah i'm just gonna make this reference and this is funny yeah it's (laughs) it's like a parody it's great yeah it is great i love it i love it so much Um, yeah so web access america so i looked up where AOL headquarters was. Um, Mm -hmm. Because again, I was like, ooh, I can figure out where they are because that's my hobby, apparently. Um, (laughs) But AOL HQ is in New York City. um, And I'm pretty sure they're on the West Coast. Silence. (laughs) I'm not going to confirm nor deny. Yeah. I mean, based on like (laughs) deserts and shit. Yeah. Um. In this conspiracy theory riddled episode, I will neither confirm nor deny your <laughs> suspicions. Oh, um, one more kind of note I wanted to make about that last scene was um, mm-hmm. there's a moment where Marco, who is who considers himself to be very computer savvy and like proud of it, um, he kind of says like, "Oh, I can do this thing," and then Axe is like, "Well, I'm like way more advanced than you. What if I did it?" And Marco <laughs> kind of like goes. Okay, yeah, you're right, fine. And I just thought that was a really nice character moment. Like, um, Marco put logic over pride in that moment. And yeah. I just thought that was really nice. That is really nice. I didn't, like, I noted it, but I didn't, like, read into it like that. But I really like that. Mm-hmm. It was a nice Aww. moment for that me. That is a nice moment between the two of them. Especially because Marco's normally, like, he was one of the... Well, he and Rachel were, the, like, the last two that were holding out against Axe, like, mm, being, yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of nice that he's like, all right, take over my computer. Even though last time you were on it, you rewrote my dad's <laughs> program. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Marco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those two are kind of, like, they're, they're together on a lot of this mission because it is so computer-based, and they're the two that are best at it, so. Yeah, and they, they also wind up in kind of like off situations together when Mm -hmm. when like it's cassie and jake and tobias and rachel and then they're kind of like we're like the fifth and the sixth wheel i guess it's us (laughs) i guess we're together now we have to dance (laughs) together now oh i i'm gonna say this as if i know nothing about the rest of the series (laughs) i wish there was a scene together where like they're doing another death rounds where they're all going to die. And so like Jake and Cassie are saying stuff to each other and Rachel and Tobias are saying stuff to each other. And then like Marco and Axe just kind of turn to each other and they're like, yeah, man, I love you too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just in like a bro-y kind of way. I think that'd be hilarious. Oh, man. Uh, 
<laughs> or uh, never mind. I'm not going to write this fan fiction on our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so All right. they're going to go to AOL. I mean, yes, they're, wow. they're going to dub. Wow. They're going <laughs> to the wow headquarters. <laughs> Web access America headquarters. Um, and it's too far away for any more if they have. So they're going to go ahead and hop a flight. And the flight is about an hour and a half, which everybody's kind of a little geeked about. Um, and then Jake and Marco have this very genuine conversation in the airport right before they go to Morph. They're like, how do we signal where to get on this plane, blah, blah, blah. And Jake is is kind of throwing out decisions, like throwing out, you know, oh, this is like, the I think it was the poopy diaper scene had just happened. They see this kid that needs changing. They're like, we're going to grab the diaper. We're going to throw it in the thing. And then we'll come back as flies. We'll sniff out the poop and we'll make it onto the airplane. It'll be fine. And Marco goes, you remember how you used to hate making these decisions? And Jake's like, I still hate these decisions. Um, and then he mentions about how, like, he can't wait for things to go back to normal. And Marco asks him, do you think you can go back to being normal after all of this? And Jake very adamantly responds, yes, I can go back to normal. Hmm. So this, uh, it wasn't that far off, I guess. <laughs> but Casey, do you think it's possible at this point in the book for things to go back uh, to normal? I mean, if they won the war instantaneously, um, I mean, <laughs> these kids need to go to therapy after everything they've been through so far. Like, I know we're not even, like halfway through the series but yeah they're they're already like they talk about it in the book they're already so scarred from experiences they've had um mm-hmm. i think it would be incredibly difficult like they're gonna have some severe ptsd over over this so i think it's possible in some degree to go back to n- normal in quotes but they're gonna have a lot of baggage with it um which Definitely ask me this at the end of the, or closer to the end of the series. Oh, um, for sure. I am. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> my answer will probably change. But at this point, like, maybe, but with, you know, an asterisk at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely need that asterisk. <laughs> um, oh, man. I I also enjoyed this airport scene because I'm like, oh, this was like post 9-11 when regular people could just walk into the terminals. So it right? never have worked if this oh, took place shit. in, yeah. you know, 2001. I, for sure. And I started thinking about this, like, oh, man, like, they'd have to go through security. They'd have to have the thing. And I'm like, oh, no, shit. They could just, like, walk right up there. <laughs> this is crazy. This is a crazy time. It's crazy to yeah. think you could ever, like, that you could ever get through the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Good times. I also had another. Day. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. What what else? I also had another um, guess as to where they were based on mm-hmm. like the the amount of time in the flight. Um, I was thinking like maybe they could be in the Los Angeles area, flying up to the Bay Area, like you know tech hub city. So, which um, which that would align with uh, my guess when uh, who was it? When uh, Cassie and her family went to the to the drylands, which that would be indicative of uh, the the stretch of desert between L.A. and the Bay Area. Anyway, I'm glad you said that because I was still unclear about what 
the drylands kind of were in the context of what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. But now that you said that, I'm like much more clear on the geography of drylands, badlands, whatever they call it. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. I like that. I like I that guess. I like it. You're just like sitting over there giggling. Well, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, I like your reasoning. It's a good reason. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. people who have read the book are just giggling. They're screaming at you right now. <laughs> How do you not know? <laughs> don't tell uh, me, audience. I want to, I want to be right at the end of the series. Don't, don't at me. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite phrases now. Every time you say something wrong, I love when people are like, don't at me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, um, they have this poopy diaper plan, and so they go into the bathrooms. And Jake makes a very like weird comment right now. Like the girls went into the girls' bathroom, the boys went into the boys' bathroom. I guess the animorphs can't do everything as a team. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that even mean? mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like. <laughs> I've I just... never felt the need to like pee with someone to join a team with them. <laughs> I just liked when um, Marco was like, "Let's go in the handicap stall. It'll be big enough for all of us." And Jake's like, "No, we cannot do that. That is immoral as hell." <laughs> I'm like, "Look at this good boy." Oh, this book is all about Jake finding out what his moral compass is yeah. as a leader and as a person, and it starts with the handicap stall <laughs> right here. <laughs> Oh my god. Actually, I need to write that down. That's a good note for later. Mm. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, that's very funny. Um, And yeah, and then instead what they do in a completely non-weird, totally cool manner is they steal two bathroom stalls and two of them go into each of it. (laughs) Like, that's not going to draw attention for sure. (laughs) Oh my god so yeah jake and tobias get into one stall and marco and axe go into the other um and then axe and tobias have to demorph so they start doing that and fitting an andalite into a bathroom yeah. stall at an airport just not possible yeah like just not no it's just not no um but allegedly it happens maybe this is a very large airport bathroom i don't know <laughs> For me, normally I have my backpack, and me and my backpack cannot fit in the stall, but whatever. <laughs> I hate the stalls that are so small, that in, and they open, like, towards you, that you mm-hmm. cannot open the door and get out without, like, the back of your leg touching the toilet. That's fucking disgusting to me. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And that's, like, most airport bathrooms. Yeah. Like, you have, like, a little, like, two-foot sliver to, like, sneak out of. So That's I, a foot and a half. Yeah, so I hope Marco was, like, standing on the back of the toilet while Axe is, like, crunched <laughs> up. What if Marco did, like, his shark maneuver where he has, like, his feet up against one side of the stall <laughs> and his back against the other? Axe is demorphing underneath him. Oh, my God. That's the view I wanted. Why didn't we get that perspective? Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what if Marco just like stood over top of Axe like as he demorphed and like just <laughs> rode him up like a tiny horse? And then, like... <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyways, 
Um, Tobias goes to Hawk, which is actually beneficial in that small of a space. As mm-hmm. long as he didn't open his wings, that would have been well. Yeah. Um, and then they start going to fly all at the same time. And while Jake and Tobias are like, I would say probably three quarters of the way through their morphing experience, someone starts banging on the door and like, just like wrenching it and like, just like, Hey, I need to get in here. I have to go real bad. And they can't say anything because both their mouth parts are gone and Tobias, you know, (laughs) would have just been like, (laughs) so it wouldn't have helped. Um, and then the guy, like, wrenches the door open, sees these, like, half-morphed abominations of, like, a half-hawk, half-fly, half-human, half-fly monstrosity. And he just starts screaming and then runs away. And Jake's like, all right, we're busted. Like, let's get this done as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they do. They double-time the morphing. Tobias, like, once he gets to fly, completely loses himself in the instincts. This guy gets back with a security team, and he's like, there's monsters in the bathroom! And they're like, how fucking drunk are you? (laughs) Uh, And then they completely lose Tobias. Like, they don't know where he is. He's just, like, buzzing around, and they're, like, screaming at him, and Axe says probably my favorite line of this book, second favorite line of this book, where he orders him to reassert his individual consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's super helpful. I think he yelled this in a past book, too. <laughs> Is that correct? I don't know. I think he did. But, oh, it's so good. Um, so after a minute or two, Tobias gets control. And they're like, Tobias, where are you? And he's like, somewhere weird. I'm on, like, a white porcelain surface. And there's, like, a lake under me. And remember oh how God. I said it was different when I first got in here? It was light. But now it is dark. And then Marco's like, beware of falling objects. (laughs) This is another very, very long poop joke. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they eventually just tell him to like go for the little like little bit of light he can see in the toilet bowl. And uh, he does. And he makes it out of there. And everybody's fine. They rejoin the group. And they're like, all right, let's, like, get out of here and find that poopy diaper because the girls are definitely already there. And they are. So, in my experience, usually the men's room is, has a lot more, uh, what am I trying to say? The the women's room is usually a lot busier than the men's room because, you know, men have urinals. And so, you know, it's it's just a speedier process. So I cannot even imagine... How the girls beat them, knowing that fact. I don't know. Just saying. Uh, You know, I have to think it's only because they didn't have to demorph first. Like, it just took more time for Axe and Tobias to demorph. I think that's why. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then Tobias, like, getting lost for a few minutes, too. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. It'd be like, what, the, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, they would probably be in and out of there, even with demorphing and remorphing, and then Tobias getting lost, and then like Rachel and Cassie would still be like waiting for a stall. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Ugh. Yay, airport bathroom. I hate that men can pee standing up. It's just ugh. I'm so jealous. <laughs> with. Enough practice, you could probably do that as well. Yeah, I guess they make funnels too. Yeah, they do. 
Wee! Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so they make it out to the gate. Rachel and Cassie are waiting for them. And they have a little trouble, like, figuring out where the door to the to the airplane is, all that sort of stuff. And Jake says, just pick a person, stick with them. And Jake lands in some lady's hair. And they do, using this method, get onto the plane. Where things are going fine. He lands on a speaker. When that goes off, it scares the crap out of him. But he just lands somewhere else. They're flying around. It's all good. Um, until they bring the food out. And then Jake's like, oh, man, it smells so good, but we have to resist. And then Marco's like, I'm swimming in some goddamn Salisbury steak sauce. Okay, I have a point about this. Um, so they make the comment earlier, this flight's only an hour and a half, so there's not going to be an in-flight movie. But they have time for the fucking in-flight dinner? And they would never serve that. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. I thought like the this... same thing. Yeah. Like... I don't know. I've never flown first class, so maybe it's different. Maybe they just have food all the time in first class. You but... should fly out here first class just for research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> just like expense it. Just, just write expense it off it. of my taxes. Be like, yeah, yeah, this is for podcast research. This is my Anwar's research. <laughs> I had to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh... Oh, no. Man. Yeah, and they definitely wouldn't serve Salisbury steak on an hour and a half flight. It would be like, here's your Stroop waffle. <laughs> uh, which, to be honest, I would be way more excited about than a Salisbury steak. Oh, yeah. Stroop waffles are the shit. They are. Or they do those little, like, biscuity, like, butter crisp biscuit things. What are they called? You know what I'm talking about? Are those the, those are, like... the little Biscoff cookies? Yeah. Oh, those are really good. Those are super good. Mm. Oh, man. That's even like, I've been on like five hour flights before where that's all they give you. And I was happy, damn it. <laughs> and then we discovered the cheese plates. Oh, my God. Okay. Stop the podcast. <laughs> Everyone that's listening to this right now, if you ever fly Alaska Air, buy the cheese tray. Like It's really good. It's so good. And I was talking it up, like, for probably a month when my my Scott person flew out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he was flying Alaska Air. I'm like, you've got to get the cheese tray. You've got to get it. It's so fucking good. And he was like, why do you keep, like, talking to this cheese tray? It's really weird. And then he got it, and he's like, okay, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> And then he was like, the person next to me got one as well, and they didn't eat their grapes. And I was like, did you ask for them? And he's like, absolutely not. I would not do that. Oh. I was like, well, they fucked up. Those grapes are delicious. They did fuck up. Wow. I know. It's like the best cheese tray of all time. I don't know why you wouldn't buy 500 of them. Right? I would. So good. Ugh. Anyways. All right, back to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so Marco goes swimming in some Salisbury steak sauce or gravy or whatever you put on Salisbury steaks. I don't know. They're gross. Yeah. Um, and Jake is like, Marco, what the hell? And he's like, oh, don't worry. It's like some dude's leftovers. I checked. It's all fine. And then Jake overhears the this lady telling the flight attendant, there's a fly in my gravy. There seems to be a lot of flies on this flight, and uh, I'm a director of the airline, and uh, what are you going to do about it? And Jake's like, Marco, <laughs> you lied to me again. <laughs> 
And so um, they are going to try and swat them. And so the Animorphs make a mad dash from first class to the back of the plane where us commoners sit with our $15 (laughs) cheese trays. (laughs) And uh, that's about the point where Jake gets swatted and squished. And this is maybe one of the darkest things we've encountered thus far. Uh Uh-huh. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, um, so... Not quite as bad as when Marco morphed out of a crow and killed it horribly, but this is, this is up there. Yeah, and this is like... Okay, I'll, I'll go through this and then we can, like, yeah. we, can, we can pick it apart. But yeah, so Jake is only barely alive because part of him was caught up in a part of the hand that has a little bit of a dent in it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he would have been squished flat out. But one of his wings is gone. One of his wings is not working. His legs are broken, gone, just broken, messed up. His guts are spilling out. And he's kind of okay for a second. And then everything starts slipping away. And he kind of feels concerned, but it's from far away. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tells the other Animorphs, like, oh, hey, I got swatted. And he just starts losing it. And that's when, like, they're like, okay, shit, he's dying. He's going to die. And so they go to grab him and get him to the bathroom so he can demorph. They grab about half of him. They leave half of his guts stuck to the wall where the guy swatted him. They all are carrying him. And as they're flying, because the the beating of their wings is causing some sort of turbulence, his legs are like snapping off with jolts. Um, Parts of him are falling away. They get him to the- so much worse when you describe it. Oh my God. It's so bad. They get him into the plane's bathroom, and Cassie tries to tell him to demorph. And he's like, oh, yeah, Cassie. I like Cassie. She's nice. And he's kind of forgetting who they are and who he is and who Cassie is. Um, But once she says, get back to human, he's kind of like, okay, okay, I can do that. And so he focuses on becoming human. And, like, there is a point where they're carrying him where Marco asks if they have to go back and get the rest of his guts that are still out there. Um They just left him. (laughs) But he starts morphing back to human, and he kind of gets a little more aware as he demorphs, and then he's kind of, like, jolted back into reality when he sees himself in the bathroom mirror as, like, a half-fly, half-human monstrosity. And he gets off the plane as a human. Not much more is said while he's on it, on the plane, like, in there. But once he gets off the plane into the airport, he is, like, shaking and Mm -hmm. about to, like, throw up and heaving and just, like, fucked up over this. Because I think this was one of the closer brushes with death where they were still conscious through it. Because Marco did almost die in uh, the the android, but he wasn't awake for it. Yeah. He wasn't, like, losing his consciousness like this. Like, Jake was super close to just dying right here. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's terrible. Well, and this this jumps ahead a little bit, but, um, like, this is the first of a couple of missions where they're like, this wasn't supposed to be a dangerous mission. This was just supposed to be, we're doing this simple, like, recon task and mm-hmm. we fucking almost die. Yep. Like, which makes it a lot worse, I think. Yeah, I agree. That makes it so much worse. Because when you when they go into a mission and it's like, 
this is dangerous. This is risky. They're all on high alert, and you know, like, it, they're, it's almost like you're prepared. Like, okay, yeah, they might die, but it's for this reason. And yeah. it's like, this one was just, it's stupid. Why did they die? Because Marco decided it would be funny to go eat the gravy. Yeah. And that's what got them noticed. Like, they only had ten minutes left in the flight where they could have just chilled and not done that. Which, this is the other thing. There would never be food left out ten minutes before the end of the flight because they're in descent. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move past that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, he, There's ten minutes left. They could have gotten out of this without trouble. But it was, like, one stupid thing. Like, oh, this is a funny joke. And now this is the closest Jake has come to death. Yeah. Like, Jesus. And this is one of those sequences that when I think back on the series, this one sticks out with me. Even throughout the whole book, this was one of the most impactful ones, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because it was, like, the first that this really happens in this way. But, yeah. It was rough, man. Yeah. This was a rough sequence. Mm-hmm. Plus, the other thing is, it's still in the back of his mind that, like, hey, in a few hours, you have to do that again. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and, like, he, he has this moment now with Cassie where she's trying to, like, say, are you okay? Are you okay? And they have this moment to themselves because the the rest of the, the boys made their way to the bathroom to demorph. Um and then Rachel and Cassie came back, but Rachel went to the Western Union to go get the money that she wired to themselves. And uh, he's left alone with Cassie for just this minute, and she's, like, asking if he's okay. And he is, like, he's just not. <laughs> he's just really not okay. Like, this is not a good thing. But it's one of the moments in the book where he's like, but I'm the leader, so, like, buck up. This Just keep going. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. I have to keep going. Uh, yeah, so they, they go ahead and make their way downtown after this, um, and they run into a nun who they ask for directions to the WAH headquarters, and she knew, which is surprising. Oh, And, 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 and they went to a Taco Bell. Yep, they go to a Taco Bell, and then they get kicked out of the Taco Bell because X keeps eating all the hot sauce packets. Which is funny because, um... I did theater in high school, and after shows, we would go to Denny's, and, you know, we're, like, a big group of, like, 16 fucking teenagers, and my my friend Seth would do Tabasco shots at the Denny's, <laughs> and so this was just, like, a major throwback for me. I was like, oh, no. Was And was this at the time when they had the little sayings on the sauce packets? Was that a thing yet? I don't know. I that don't might have come later. Recall. That might have come later. I feel like that might have been a high school thing. Maybe. I don't know. It was a good time. It was Axe a good is a time. silly boy. Axe is a silly boy. And, like, I don't understand why they kicked him out, because, like, the hot sauce is free. Maybe he was, like, climbing on tables and, like, grabbing hot sauce out of people's hands, <laughs> a la the movie theater scene with the globules. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Maybe Jake just, like, downplayed the description. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it's, like, so common to him now. He's just like, well, whatever. <laughs> Axe did this thing. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, they get kicked out, and uh, 
they go to the WA headquarters, or as I wrote it, W A A H Q, because saying nice. acronyms is funny. Um, <laughs> and when they get there, they're like, "How are you gonna bust into this building?" And then this bus full of old people arrive for a tour, and they're like, "Oh, well, let's just go on the tour." <laughs> like, <laughs> this is probably one of the smoothest running recon missions to date. <laughs> They're like, oh, cool, old people, let's do it. And they're like, pe- old people only notice teenagers if they're being, like, rude or are their grandchildren. So we were just, <laughs> like, quiet and polite, and everything went well. <laughs> um, so they're being shown around, and then they get to the picture of the founder of this place, which is Joe Bob Fenstray. Or Joe Fenstra. Bob. Joe Bob. And Marco starts bowing down to his portrait. <laughs> because Marco's a fucking idiot in this book. Yeah, he's like, he's a billionaire with a B, billionaire. <laughs> God damn it, Marco. Which again, uh, Marco like really bounced back from the last book where he was a depressed, angry mess. Yeah, and there's only kind of one shout out in this book to it where um, they're, they're talking about uh, Gump's dad. Or no, sorry. It must have been in the introduction because Jake was talking about how his brother's a controller, Marco's mom's a controller. But if anybody says anything to him, he just jokes around because he's allergic to sympathy. Yeah. So that was like the one call out in this book. But like nobody mentions any of like the like there's no Jake and Marco scene where they go and talk aside like, hey, like, how you doing, man? You okay with your mom? Maybe being dead again? Maybe not. Like, <laughs> Would you kill your mom? <laughs> yeah, would you kill your mom? Like, <laughs> you know, that old conversation that you have in the middle of a crowded mall. <laughs> right. Oh, jeez. They are dorks. But, yeah, there's really no mention of it. Like, Marco really, he has bounced back in this book. And it's also... Um, a really kind of heavy on the Marco Rachel banter. Yeah. And like earlier, um, I think Jake made a comment that like he couldn't tell if Marco and Rachel pretended to hate each other, but secretly like really liked and admire each other or if they just actually hated each other. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder that too. Like, I wonder what the extent of their relationship is. Yeah. And like, I wonder... I mean, maybe both. And maybe, like, I don't know. I could see things just getting bad between those two. Yeah. Like. Because it's hard to, like, ride that line. Like, if they're just being kind of, like, you know, they they have the banter, but they both like and admire each other at this point. Because as we've talked about a hundred times, they fall on the same side of most issues. It makes sense that they would kind of, like, you know... Oh, yeah, like, his ideas make sense because they're my ideas, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is the recipe to also make you hate that person because it grinds on your nerves after a while, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Joe Bob. Joe Bob Fenstray. I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Fenster? Fenestra? No, there's there's not a second E, is there? I thought there was. Oh, whatever. Let's look it up. Oh, I'm sure Nish. I can find Joe Bob in the book. I don't know. I wrote Fen- Fenstray. But Joe Bob. His name's Joe Bob. Just That's call him Joe Bob. Him. LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But they, they're trying to decide quickly, now that they're in the building, what are they going to do to 
break into the computers. Like, they found the control center, they're in the building, everything's gone very smoothly up until this point. How do they get on a computer? <laughs> and Rachel's first suggestion is to set a fire as a distraction. And I'm like, Rachel, curb it! <laughs> like, no, that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm concerned. No, it's a great idea. They should definitely set a fire. <laughs> Just in a garbage can. Set a garbage can on fire in a building full of computer people. Yeah, also sprinklers, which would fall onto the computers and probably break the computers and... Oh, I was imagining, like, an IT crowd situation where it's, like, the one guy has a fire extinguisher under his desk but has no idea how to use it. (laughs) They tell Rachel that's probably not a great idea. And then there is the debate of let's acquire humans. Mm. And, okay, this is, like, kind of a three-way debate. So Axe is, like, yeah, these are the native animals to the environment. Let's do it. And Rachel's like, well, humans don't consider themselves animals, really. They like to think they're, they're you know, higher up than that. Um, and then some people are like, let's borrow the, the human bodies just to get it done. That's no different, really. And then there's Cassie, who's like, no, they need to give consent. Because otherwise, we're no better than the Yerks. And, like, there's a middle ground to this argument, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, where do you fall on this scale of, like, humans are animals, let's take their bodies to borrow their bodies because it's just like a morph, and then humans are, you need consent to do that? I don't know. Like, I mean, I was just foreseeing, like, they steal somebody's DNA and morph into them, and then they run into that person later, kind of a la what happened in uh, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, And then you get, like, that weird, like, oh, shit, which is, like, a totally different sort of fucking issue. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I could kind of see both sides of the argument. Like, in general, consent is very important. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, kind of, that kind of comes back to the same conversation of, like, when Rachel, when Cassie acquired Rachel and Marco was like, let me be Rachel. And it was like, no, because you'll do something with my body that I don't yeah. want you to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but uh, if I may divert a little bit. Um, yeah. When Cassie was like, no, we can't do that. That's immoral. Um, they need to give consent. And Rachel says, who cares as long as it works? Yeah. That was the first moment where I was like, Okay, maybe she is a Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that's, like, Marco's kind of take, too. Like, hey, we have to get in here and do this. Like, I don't want to say too much because it's, like, I don't want to give anything away. But at the end of the day, you're fighting to save the world. And if you need to borrow somebody's DNA to save the entire human race, can you stop and ask? Like, and you can't, how do you even ask for consent in this situation? Well, yeah, without giving away the game. But, yeah. so here's the other thing. I think it's situational. If, like, it's it's a last resort situation, mm-hmm. then absolutely do it. But this is a, we're considering our options. It's not super desperate yet. So maybe let's try and find a less creepy way. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's that's kind of what they end up doing at this yeah. point. 
So I think in certain situations, it would be like, okay, yeah, just go do it. But right in, in this case, I feel like there was a better solution. And there, I don't know if there was, but I don't think it was a bad call to be like, no, let's not do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Although I, no matter what happens, I don't think it's as bad as what the Yerks do. Like, oh, for sure. I don't, I know people keep comparing it to that. And I think even when we had Stephanie on, she was saying like, is acquiring a human and morphing them any better than what the Yerks do? And it's like, yeah, it's way better than what the Yerks do because that person's still free. And, like, you're not, you know, as long as, like, I mean, I guess you can do things to make their life a living hell. Like, you know, you can set up scenarios where you impersonate them and, like, ruin Mm -hmm. their lives. But, like, that's not why the kids are doing this. And that comes back to who you give, you know, permission to you. Yeah. So that's what the Animorphs try to go through. And and even Jake says, like, they're trying to make me decide this in two minutes in a hallway during a mission. And he's just like, no, we can't do this right now, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the kids basically come to the same conclusion of this isn't necessary right now. We'll figure this out later. Um, and so they decide to make a distraction, which leads to one of my favorite <laughs> scenes. <laughs> Um, oh my freaking god it's so good so x and marco are going to break into the computer room and everyone else is going to be a distraction so rachel goes grizzly jake goes tiger tobias is himself and cassie goes skunk they throw their shoes around their necks except for tobias (laughs) and they bust into the hallway in full view of everybody in this computer room at first nobody looks over at them but then jake roars to get their attention and Axe and Marco sneak in the back of the computer room and start working on the computers. Rachel starts mopping the floor as a grizzly bear, and everybody's like, are, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, are you seeing this? And someone goes, am I going crazy? And then they reply, I'm not crazy. The bear's crazy. That floor is carpeted. <laughs> like, that's the best part. That is freaking comedy gold. I know, right? Oh my god. It's like, (laughs) I'm not crazy for seeing these wild animals in my workplace. It's the grizzly bear's fault. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, I feel like like that's such like a tech person response too. Like completely miss the big picture of like, there's fucking wild animals. Like, no, that bear is mopping a carpeted floor. That makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) That is such a fucking like developer sort of thing to say. Yeah, it absolutely is. (laughs) That is accurate. (laughs) God. Oh man. Yeah. So that's, that's what's happening there. And mostly they're just kind of, like, hopping around, putting on this weird circus act. (laughs) And then, like, two security guards run up with, like, tiny little guns. And nobody but Tobias is even phased by this. Tobias is the one that's like, oh, if they shoot me, I'm in trouble. I'm assuming Cassie's thinking the same thing, but she doesn't say anything. Um, They order them to stop. And... (laughs) Like, Rachel takes this moment where she's like, I really admire that guy. <laughs> Freaking, so, <laughs> my favorite part about this exchange is that they're like, you animals are not authorized to be here. And it's like, you didn't sign the NDA at the front desk. Where are your visitor badges? Like, <laughs> you didn't fucking... even sign in. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is amazing. I know. And the fact that the animals are just like, yeah... 
I know we didn't sign in. Like, just <laughs> tell him to stand down. And then they're like, Cassie, Cassie, like, take aim. And she does. And they're like, okay, the guy's still not getting it. All right, Cassie, fire. And she, like, skunks the guy. And his, like, he just drops his gun and leaves. Like, oh, God, no. This is I the worst possible this. thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it just, oh, dear God. What an amazing scene. It is so amazing. And then it gets even better because it's not one of the normal scenes we get in Animorphs where it's like, okay, they've done the thing, they've succeeded, and now cut to black, and we meet up with them later. They describe how the rest of this goes down. <laughs> Which is, they go back to the elevator, Tobias hits the down button, the four of them pile in, and they hit, like, the lobby level, and by the time they get to the bottom floor, the elevator doors open, and there's just four kids in spandex, and facing, like, this entire group of heavily armed police officers and, like, SWAT guys with rifles and stuff, and they're like, hey, have you seen any wild animals around here? And the four of them are just like, no way. Wild animals. What? <laughs> Flying saucers. <laughs> yeah. And they just walk out of the elevator and leave. Like, Laughing to themselves. Nobody even stops them. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, four kids in spandex is fine. Oh, my um, God. And then they meet up with Marco and Axe. And Cassie makes some comment about, like, oh, man, that was rough. And Marco's like... Tell me about it. My online girlfriend's a 76-year-old male postal worker. <laughs> oh. Like, what? Ew. Oh, my God. This was like a PSA about internet personas. Yeah. yeah. Don't give your info to strangers on Don't the internet. Don't give your info to strangers. They're probably an old postal worker. Yeah. Yep. Even with if that was going to come up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, this is like the 90s PSA about safety. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, God. Whew. But, yeah. So the kids are on their way back to the airport after this whole shenanigan went down. And probably the most important thing they found out is that the guy whose name is Fighty online, like Fighty888, that's Joe Bob. Joe He's Bob. in the chat. Yeah. Um... That's, I think, about the only important information we get out of this chapter. The rest of it is Jake, on his way back to the airport, like, just breaks out in a cold sweat. He mm -hmm. is, like, just shaking, wanting to puke, like, knowing he has to go back to his fly morph. And he's trying to, like, you know, just chime into the conversation, appear normal, but Cassie sees right through it. And she's like, hey, let's do a different way home. But because she's Cassie, cannot come up with a good lie. And everybody's like, why would we do a different way home? And she's like, you know, just for fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, Cassie, let's derail the entire fucking plan for fun. Okay. Uh. No, we're not doing that. And that's what Rachel says. She goes, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's basically no way for, for Jake to save face if he agrees with Cassie. So he goes, nope, fly is still the best way to do this. That's how we're doing it. And uh, then Cassie, like, pulls him aside, like, Jake, come buy me a pretzel. And Jake, as soon as they're out of earshot, is like, bright idea, Cassie. I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cassie's not the greatest at, like, improv and, like, thinking on her feet. No, she's not. Just based on past experiences, Cindy Crawford style. Oh, my God. A great fan fiction would just be Cassie has to go to improv class on the orders of Jake to get better at lying <laughs> on the fly. 
She is so bad. She, she is. The, she has too much guilt, though. Like I totally identify with this. Like, <laughs> I hate telling lies. It's actually absolutely the worst thing I could ever do. Wow. Uh, I. I mean, I'm not great at it, but like, I am totally willing to be like, oh no, no, not right now. This is like the reason we're not doing this, and it'll be like a very like middle of the road, like oh, just blame me, but I'm too scared, kind of a lie. Yeah. Like I don't know. She could have done something better than what she did (laughs) uh but yeah so she pulls jake aside and they kind of have a heart to heart um mostly it's just jake kind of starting to break down like he's terrified and cassie's like it's okay to be scared and he's like it's absolutely not okay to be scared i'm the leader and she's like well, Marco, you know, we don't do ants because Marco's afraid of ants and I have problems with termites. We don't do termite. You know, we don't have to do fly because you're, you know, you don't like fly. And he's like, it is different. I am the leader. I have to be confident. Um, And then Cassie says, we didn't do you any favors making you the leader, did we? And Jake, I think this is really like, he's just glad someone realized it finally. Mm -hmm. Because he's, as the leader, kept it to himself. Um, and then Cassie says, like, you know, even the most seasoned generals and things have to have someone to talk to. And he wants to break down in tears. He wants to give Cassie a hug. But he does nothing. <sighs> yeah. That was that was a really good scene and really, really good conversations. And this is the first of, like, several kind of heart-to-heart scenes in this book that I really, really just loved. And I thought the writing mm-hmm. was just spectacular. Like, yeah. when he says, people say they want leaders to be just like them, but I don't think so. People want leaders to act in the way that people wish they could act themselves. I was just like, oh, yeah, boy. Oh, ow. It ramps up how difficult the decisions he has to make are. Mm-hmm. Like, he always has had to make hard decisions. And I think we really started seeing it in uh, that Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. This one was really what hit home with those dark decisions of the gravity of everything he says is on his shoulders and he is the weight of the world there. Like, it is just rough. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. so sad. Which, but it leads so brilliantly into this next scene, which I want to talk about because this next scene, like, hit me super hard. Um, The kids... Basically, they just make the flight home. There's no more squishings. Everything's good. It's one of those bare bones, don't really mention it kind of scenes. Jake gets back to his house where Tom's hanging out, talking on the phone. Jake's kind of making food while Tom's talking on the phone. And Jake is starting to think through Fenstray, Joe Bob, and um, what the next steps are, what they're going to do, what he has to research. And his parents get home with the groceries, and he helps them bring them in. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take off. And she, she stops him. She's like, hey, you were out all day. Like, why don't you stay home for dinner? And he goes, oh, it's it's dinner time? Like, he's so into the mission still. He's, like, not really realizing when and how long he's been into it. And uh, he ends up saying, like, you know, his mom kind of guilts him into it. Like, oh, I'm making the salmon you like. He's like, you know, we let's do it. Let's sit down and have this dinner. And he sits down with his family all four of them are around the table. They're having a totally normal dinner conversation. His dad's telling shitty stories. Um, <laughs> his brother's making stupid jokes. They're they're laughing back and forth like old times. And then Jake kind of pulls out of this moment 
where his he's thinking about like you know this is what i'm trying to protect this is why i'm doing what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and jake's mom says hey what do you what do you think it's so hard about and he just says that this is really cool i'd like to do this more often and tom makes a joke about how you know the tiramisu is is making jake mushy because the alcohol in it but the way that Jake describes it of like the oh yerk is sifting through his brain to uh-huh. find this memory to hit these chords and play him like this beautiful instrument oh to make God. exactly the right sounds. It's like it's just this gorgeous description of this horrific thing. And, he, and then Jake laughs and goes, I'm going to tear that yerk out of your head one day. Oh, oh. I'm so glad you mentioned that scene because I wrote that down, too. It's just, oh, my God, it's so funny. <sighs> freaking it's good beautiful and oh. brutal yes damn it Catherine. damn you why you do this it's so good so good idea of him playing the yerk playing the human as a beautiful instrument with the technical precision of a master and then just him being like i'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> ah, sorry uh, it's good it it's hit so me good. so hard yeah God. And I, another thought I had here is, have we gotten a family dinner scene in every Jake book so far? <laughs> Something close to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it, it kind of solidifies um, just, like, how, how Jake feels about his family. And, like, I, I, I just find it interesting that we have more family dinner scenes with them than with any other character. That's, well, maybe that's not true. But. Well, we have now that Marco's dad's kind of back on track, I feel yeah. like they have those scenes, too. They have one per book, but yeah, I don't know. And then Cassie's always got some big family scene. Some beautiful scene with her parents that is hilarious and wonderful. Who God. I adore. Oh, Cassie and her fucking perfect S- family. Stupid, amazing parents. Ugh. <laughs> Whatever. Stupid, wonderful parents. <laughs> Yeah, and I think with Rachel's, we've kind of stopped. I think once yeah. Rachel started getting more warrior princess, we got less family scenes. Yeah, which I'm a little sad about, because I want to know more about, like, her sisters and Naomi, mm-hmm. lawyer of the year. <laughs> I want to know how she became lawyer of the year. Yeah, like, I kind of want some yeah. more scenes with just, like, her and mom and her sisters and maybe not something so much concerning her dad. Not that her dad isn't, like, an important part of the family but like i feel like maybe it'll change in the next book but you know after the whole like um book seven where he mm-hmm. you know it was established that like he wasn't really there for them and she has this chance to be with him and decides against it i feel like that chapter's kind of closed for now so moving forward i'd like to see more stuff with her and her sisters and her mom uh, yeah and i think that that was solidified too in like book 12 I think it was where like he came out and he was just so out of her day-to-day life that it was like it was played kind of like as a this is like a kind of slightly dysfunctional divorced family but I think it really kind of closed that chapter on like her dad moved away she was close to her dad clearly he's not keeping up with her at this point Mm mm-hmm yeah, and then Tobias, none to speak of. I'll be yeah. his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be his mother now. <laughs> I'll adopt you. Oh, that's funny. Oh. 
Okay. All right. Well, we will we will continue on after that goddamn gorgeous description. The tiramisu is making me mushy. The t- <laughs> I wish I had tiramisu right oh, now. Me too. Oh, so good. I'm oh. mad that Jake's family gets dessert after every family meal. Yeah. What about me? What if I want a dessert? <laughs> Where's my dessert? Damn it. Um, so the kids meet up again. They decide, they're, they're trying to decide what they're going to do, and they want to go over Marco's research that he did last night. You know, the research that Jake blew off. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jake was, this is a little bit of foreshadowing, because Jake was supposed to research the house. Marco was supposed to research the people. So Marco comes with his homework, but Jake doesn't. <laughs> um, and he tells them, you know, your cater is basically, it's a fake profile. And the kids are amazed that you can make a fake profile, which I feel like is a very, very 90s thing to be surprised (laughs) by. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Um, They find out Gump is a nine-year-old boy. Uh, Of course, they know who Fighty is. We got that a little while ago. And they are left, uh, like, after talking it out, they basically have two decisions. One is they can go to Joe Bob's mansion and check out the situation there. Or they can go try to rescue Gump. And Jake decides that Joe Bob is what they should do first, and they should go to Gump's after school on Monday. And Cassie is livid because she's like, let's go to him now. We have to save him now. It could be too late in an hour. A day is too late. A week is way too late. Like, she's like, we got to save this kid right away. Um, And Jake goes, we can't save one kid over the world, which Hmm. is interesting because we've come across this decision before Mm -hmm. and uh and so has the matrix (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) jake doesn't make the one person let's go save them mistake he goes and he's like we're gonna go to joe bob's and he says he immediately senses that that decision is wrong but he's made it and he's gonna stand behind it which is interesting Um. it's super interesting because <laughs> we've had this discussion before about jake trusting his head versus his gut you know mm-hmm. especially in the in the jungle book i'm just gonna call it the jungle book now. <laughs> that's what it is as you may do i'll <laughs> like, be you. like you <laughs> okay God. anyways yeah so the jungle book wait does that mean jake is shere khan Ooh, no no no, he's too good. He's got a Shere Khan morph, and he's got a Bagheera morph, and Rachel would be Baloo, which is not <laughs> at all accurate. <laughs> uh, Marco would be Christopher Walken. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, right, yeah, because Christopher Walken was was um, King Louie in the new one, right? Yes. I Sorry, I made that joke, but there was like four levels you had to get through. <laughs> I got there eventually. <laughs> you did, you did. You got there very fast. But for everybody else in the world who hasn't lived with me for goddamn decades at this point, <laughs> um, <laughs> Marco has the gorilla morph, which is kind of like an orangutan, and orangutan is like that guy whose name you just said. And in the new version of the Jungle Book, Christopher Walken voiced that guy, who was yes. the orangutan. Also, there's wolves in it. <laughs> Oh, Which yeah. makes no sense, because I don't think wolves are native to... I'm assuming they're in the various stages of Indonesia sort of area. Um, yeah, but I don't then we couldn't sure. get Cassie in it. Yeah. 
And they're really just trying to make it easier for us to make an Animorphs comparison to the Jungle Book. Clearly. <laughs> they, they did it for us. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jungle Book. Thank you, Jungle Book. Thank you, whoever made the Jungle Book, <laughs> for making that easy for us. Anyway, what were we talking about? Okay, right. Um, they're going to go scout out Joe Bob's property. Right. And they get there, and the dude has got a lot of shit going on. He's got a lot of security. He's got three perimeter fences of varying intensities, um, an underwater security fence. He has security guards and towers positioned around. And in the second perimeter fence, there's a dog run with two Rottweilers as guard dogs. So, like, he's got a lot of things happening right now. The only thing he's missing is, like, a tank full of sharks. <laughs> with lasers on yeah. their freaking heads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he really, you know, he is. But I feel like he has other technological advances that, like, kind of make up for that shortcoming. Yeah. As we soon find out, when Rachel goes towards the open window, they decide that that's their inn, is this one open window. And uh, Jake tells Tobias, stay put and scout out while everybody else goes in. And Rachel, of course, just... (laughs) Rachel rushes in. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And gets completely zapped and knocked out. And as soon as they see her go through the window and kind of that zap and she collapses, they're like, okay, pull out, pull out, pull out. And Cassie was right behind her. And she's the one that kind of skims the stucco wall and everybody else gets out of the way, kills her speed. And after she's zapped, the alarms start blaring and just like shit goes crazy. And then the guards start firing at the birds. Axe gets hit. He starts going down. Tobias dives after him because he's the only one with altitude. He manages to catch him a few feet off the ground, but he fully, like, pierces Axe, like, grabs him in his talons, goes through the shoulder, goes through the breast, goes through everything, and just starts, like, madly flapping. They make it over the first fence, but they tumble in between the second one, which, of course, is the dog run. Mm -hmm. And now the Rottweilers are after them. So... Jake is trying to dive bomb in to distract the Rottweiler so they don't get to Tobias and Axe so quickly, but the Rottweiler realizes he's there at the last minute and kind of turns his head, nips a wingtip, doesn't hurt Jake, but sends him tumbling. Marco successfully hits the the other dog and distracts him, but the first one is still headed for Axe and Tobias. Um, Cassie jumps in. She's trying to help Tobias get lifts, get Axe out of there. But he is dragging them down, and Jake orders them to drop Axe and leave him. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And Jake says, we're all going to die if you don't. So they drop Axe and get out of there. And three of them make it out. (laughs) Two of them are trapped. That's the second time he's had to make the call to leave somebody behind. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, And, like, it's literally axe the second time oh oh yeah you're right oh no he keeps leaving axe behind baby okay this just occurred to me do you think that call would have been different if it was rachel or marco or obviously cassie he would be like grab her at all costs but Hmm. would it have been different if it was one of the other kids hmm i don't know because he, I, like, I think he views Axe as, you know, a member of the team, obviously, but, I mean, they're not I, close yeah. by any means, I don't think. 
And I think he also views Axe more as, like, a warrior than any of the rest of them. Yeah, like, Axe would understand being left behind, because that's a warrior call, I guess? I don't know. Well, yeah, and because he grew up in that Andalite military thing. Like, Mm -hmm. he's being trained to make those sorts of decisions for forever. But I feel like he'd do the same with Rachel, too, because of that warrior mindset. But with Rachel, it'd be like, she can handle herself. Like, she'll fight her way out of this. And I feel fine leaving... Well, not fine, but... I can handle leaving her in this situation because she could get out of it. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Oh. I hope so. But yeah, Cassie, he would be like, save her. Um, probably probably Marco, too. But I don't know. Ah! Yeah. And then, and then Tobias, like, he's left Tobias behind once before, kind of, in, in book one, like, he didn't check his people. Yeah, but he's never said. made that mistake again. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, would he leave Tobias behind? I don't think he would because he is so... I feel like at this point he's overly concerned with Tobias because, like, uh-huh. how much shit has happened to him. And even, like, it, going back to the character introduction in this book, he's like, Tobias has lost more than any of the rest of us. Uh-huh. Like, he still pities him in a way that, like, if I was going to make a, a numerical ranking of, like, order of saving from most to least it would be like cassie tobias marco mm-hmm. rachel axe yeah hmm. yeah i don't know and <laughs> okay. tobias is still new like tobias like yeah he just got no, back in he just got back in yeah i don't know fuck this is heavy this is super heavy. And it gets worse, okay? So let's just continue, because it gets worse. And yeah. this contributes to this conversation, too. So um, he's now... Two of them are captured. Axe and Rachel are captured. He has Tobias, Cassie, Marco, and himself left. They fly to a nearby Wendy's. They're hanging on the roof. And this is where, like, the book for me got so desperate, because... They're like, how long do they have left in Morph? And everybody's screaming at each other. Marco's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Why the fuck would I know that kind of kind of thing? Yeah. And they decide they have about an hour and a half left to demorph before they're trapped forever. And so the timeline now for the rest of this book is about an hour and a half <laughs> until we lose two members of our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about, like, what will they do? And they... They're talking about Rachel at first, mostly, because she's unconscious and they don't know if she's alive or dead. And they're saying if she's alive, she will never demorph in front of them. She will choose to be an eagle for the rest of her life over demorphing and revealing them as human fighters. And this puts Marco and Tobias at each other's throats. Because Marco, like Tobias says, it wouldn't be the worst thing and Marco's like, of course you'd fucking say that because you two will be tight, you know, together in your meadow, fu- like hunting mice, doing your own thing. Of course you'd say it's not the worst thing. Which set up kind of a red flag for me because, like, I still have kind of a suspicion that Marco maybe likes Rachel. Like, in this situation, it's not appropriate to be like, oh, you two have been together forever. I'm jealous. Like, I don't think it's that, but that just kind of set up a flag for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's contributing to that thought that I had previously. Well, yeah, and it's also a big dig at Tobias, too. Like, it's it had this feeling in the way it was said, of course you'd say that because you're not good enough for her and this would bring her down to your level. 
Oh. Like, that's what I felt when I read yeah. it. Oh. And then Tobias, it again, none of this was said. This is entirely me inferring this from what was actually written in the book. Tobias almost says, like, his response is, I just meant her body could be more damaged. It might not just be that she's stuck in morph. It might be that she's stuck in morph and can't fly. Or, like, so many other things could be wrong with her that just being an eagle might not be the worst scenario. Right. And it was almost like Tobias was saying, I know I'm not good enough for her. I'm just, like, you know, I'm trying. (laughs) I know. It's such, like, I'm reading way too into this, but it's such a rough moment between the two of them. And while that's going on between them, Cassie's crying because if they find out, if they know that we're humans, they'll find my family and they'll take my family. And Jake is, he's just kind of watching all of this and he's saying part of him is like racing, part of his brain's racing really fast. Part of his brain is like swimming through molasses. And then Marco just turns on him and says, you got us into the situation, get us out. And Cassie tries to defend him but Marco's not having it. Like, and Jake starts sobbing. He goes, I don't know what to do. Um, and it's just not, <laughs> he's broken in this moment because he just destroyed more than half of his team by making a decision that he didn't feel was the right decision and he didn't think was going to go this way and it was just supposed to be a recon mm-hmm. mission and now this is the situation they're in. Yeah. He has a realization, too, which is why Jake is the leader here. He realizes that these aren't Yerks that they're fighting. These are humans. Because they were shot at with regular guns, with regular security, and there was no hork backing them up. There were no taxons. There was nothing to indicate that these were anything but humans. And so he decides, let's not take the subtle approach here. Let's burn this place to the ground. So... After he kind of snaps out of his sobbing, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, he goes, we have an hour and a half to get our team out of here, otherwise we lose them. This place is a fortress, there's no time for sneaking in, there's no way we'll make it in time in Cockroach Morph. Let's get a battering ram. (laughs) And then he asks Cassie, how far is the gardens from here? Dun dun dun! (laughs) Yeah, so um, they go ahead, they fly to the gardens, uh, Tobias comes with Jake. He said he would rather be alone, but he needed Tobias there to help him get there faster because he knows how to fly if the wind conditions aren't right. Right. So they get there, and Jake goes, I have no time for the subtle approach. He just dives into the enclosure and lands on a rhino. That's going to be his new morph. <laughs> <laughs> and Tobias is like, okay, can you at least let me provide a distraction? And Jake's like, fine. So Tobias, well, Jake is on this rhino starting to demorph. Tobias goes swipe some cotton candy from a child and <laughs> puts on, took literal candy from a baby um yeah so he does that and he starts putting on this aerial display while holding the cotton candy <laughs> what's wrong with him oh my god what is this book it's so dark and then fucking rachel mopping the floor and tobias doing fucking blue angel shit with a cotton candy i'm i'm living yeah it's so good and like but part of this is so offset like when i was reading this i'm like this is hilarious but at the same time jake's thought process is still so dark it really puts a damper on like enjoying this tobias moment yeah this really isn't as funny 
when you're being really depressed, Jake. Can you, like, tone it down a bit? <laughs> Can you please pretend to be happy for, like, five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then if he does pretend to be happy for five minutes, what we get is a Marco book. Wee! Wee! <laughs> Which is the most um, depressing type. <sighs> it is. <laughs> well, for now. Anyways, um, so he lands on the rhino, he starts to demorph, and he's very surprised how long it takes the rhino to realize he's there. But once it does, it kind of trots off a bit, and that causes Jake to tumble off the top of him, and the rhino turns and starts sniffing him. And he's kind of, like, prone on the ground, like, with the rhino standing over him. And this rhino is becoming more and more agitated as he demorphs, because he's, like, growing and crunching and doing all sorts of weird shit. It probably smells weird. And so Jake does the only thing the Animorphs do in this situation. He reaches out and acquires the rhino. Um, we cut to Jake and Tobias making their way back, fighting the wind the whole time. So they've burned up even more time just having to course correct to get there. And by the time they get back, they have 10 minutes to break into this place and get the team out. Fuck. It's real bad. Um, Marco and Cassie report nothing new except it was really good that they did not try to go insect because they've realized that there's a whole defense perimeter around every single door with, like, bug-zapping stuff and and uh, poisons and so on and so forth. And they think that that's what got Rachel when she went in through the window. Um, so they ask Jake, okay, what's the plan now that you're back? And Jake goes, well, we're just going to do this very Rachel-esque plan, and we're going to smash through every single door they have. <laughs> And so he flies down, morphs to, well, demorphs to human, morphs into rhino, and starts getting ready to go. And he cannot see anything. Rhino vision is so bad. So he's like, okay, aim me. And so they do. And he takes off. He smashes through this first gate. And this was kind of the one where he's like, oh, man, it hit me. But my body was kind of used to being hit. Like, it wasn't too bad. And he's like, all right, where's the second fence? And they're like, dude, you already went through it. He's like, cool. And then the dogs come after him, and it means nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They are tearing at him, and he's like, I kind of felt it. Not really. Um, They start shooting at him, and he's like, that pissed me off. It kind of stung a little bit. And then he smashes through the third and final gate, He's like, okay, aim me towards the door. So Marco is like, okay, turn this way. Okay, charge towards the door. And he smashes it, and he's like, oh, this is going to take two hits. So he backs up, smashes it again, he goes, man, that was a really hard door. And Marco's like, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but that was a wall. So he makes it through the wall, and then Tobias reminds them they are out of time. That was their ten minutes. Jesus. Their team is trapped. Yeah, so... um. Shit gets dark. Uh, The Animorphs start smashing through his entire house. Like, everything. Coffee tables, bookcases, priceless artifacts, I'm sure. Until they are going to find their friends. Um, They realize if they split up, they can cover more ground. And what they're looking for is a guarded room. Because that's where they'll be, is in the room that's guarded. So Tobias goes upstairs. The other guys are downstairs. And more guards start shooting at Jake. For what reason? I do not know. But Jake just basically starts, like, impaling these people and throwing them over his shoulder one at a time. I don't know why, but he does. Um, One lucky shot kind of makes its way into his shoulder, but Jake goes ahead, charges that guy, throws him anyways, and then is like, okay, I'm starting to slow down, 
Tobias seems to have found where these guys are upstairs because he calls out, okay, the guards are up here. They can hear a lot of shooting, a lot of commotion, but Jake can't get up the stairs in his rhino morph. So he starts demorphing. Um, as he does, Cassie and Marco also demorph with them. They start running up the stairs. Tobias comes running out over their head while well, flying out over their head. <laughs> And uh, he's like, the gunmen are behind me. I've just lost them. Why the hell are you humans in this fight? <laughs> and Jake's like, I had to get up the stairs. It doesn't matter. And Tobias is like, I can hear the gunmen coming. I got to go. So they duck into a side room. The guys run right past them. And there's a short little dialogue of the guards where they're like, why are we shooting at this bird? And the other guy's like, so we don't lose our job. I don't know. <laughs> um, which is foreshadowing at this point Mm -hmm. yeah so um they go to battle morphs they start going down the hallway towards the room that tobias came from and once they get there they open the door and there is a dude with a machine gun because this is a normal thing to have on a security detail in a home and jake starts doing some quick calculations they're about 30 feet away he goes i could reach them in two bounds but that guy could put 10 rounds into me by the time i got there So he does something that the kids never, ever do, and he just starts to reason with him. And he goes, hey, you could shoot me by the time I got to you. And yes, it is the tiger talking to you, by the way. Hey, me, over here. And the guys are like, oh, shit, we're going crazy. He's like, yeah, okay. So by the time I get to you, you could have shot me ten times, but I can still kill you. How much do you get paid? Is it worth your life? And they're like, hmm. No, no, we don't get we don't get paid nearly enough. No, we're good. So they put down the guns and get out of there. <laughs> the kids make their way over to the door, and behind this door is where their friends are being kept. And Jake goes, "All right, Marco, get us in there." And Marco lifts his hand to smash the door, and Jake's <laughs> like, "No, do use the doorknob, you idiot." <laughs> so he does. And when they open the door, they step into the room, and what they see are two cages on either side of a pool that's filled with a molten lead-looking liquid. More foreshadowing. And in these two cages is Rachel on one side in her eagle form, and Axe in the other, halfway demorphed. Neither of them are breathing or moving even a little bit. And there is Joe Bob, and what he has is a yerk gun pointed at Axe otherwise known as a draken beam. But they said yerk thing in the book. I don't know why. Hmm. But anyways, um, he's cornered by the Animorphs, and he's obviously outgunned. And he's not, like, making grandiose threats like yerks are wont to do. He just is acting like a cornered animal. Like, he's scared, and he's not really threatening that much. Um, but he starts monologuing. <laughs> Because he's a yerk, and uh, he and his host are allegedly on good terms, he says. Um, He starts talking about how he made his host rich, and Jake does talk back to him. He's like, sure, sure you are. The yerks don't have any allies, and he kind of laughs. He's like, we don't. Um, And then he says, this is my yerk designation, which I didn't write down, but it ends in a double number, like 6-6. And he goes, do you know what that means? And Jake's like, no, we don't. And Joe Bob fills him in that he's a twin. And when Yerks have twins, there's kind of a good twin and an evil twin. <laughs> and he's the lesser of the two twins. So while his his greater twin rose to power and got the good hosts and the good bodies and so on and so forth, 
He just got whatever he could scrape by on. And he decided to take it matters into his own hands and become rich and famous in his own way and just scrape out whatever existence he could. And then this is, like, kind of when he drops the bomb. Jake and Cassie have already realized, like, kind of what's happening. He goes, my twin, as he rose to power, is just insane. He's power mad or maybe now just mad. And they're like, ah, yes, his twin is Vizzer 3. Nobody dun, saw dun, that coming. Dun. Nobody saw that coming. And because Visitor 3 is his twin, he continues to monologue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to say, like, that's why he's monologuing, because they're related. Yep. And uh, they're, they're trying to find out, basically, if Visitor 3 hates this guy so much, why is he still alive? And he says, because I have a secret that he's after. And th- that's when they start piecing together, like, hey, all these defenses around the house, like, that are protecting against all of their morphs and all the guys shooting at animals... That's to protect him from Visor 3. Because mm-hmm. if Visor 3 could get to him, he'd have him in the torture chambers immediately finding out his secrets. And they're like, the secret to what? And that's when it comes out of him. It's the secret to survive without Kendrona rays. And he reveals the secret to the Animorphs, and it is cannibalism. Wee! Wee! Woohoo! Yay! Talk about going dark. <laughs> yeah! And he uses the chat rooms that he has to weed out the potential victims and go after them. And Marco and Jake kind of immediately go, oh, well, he's eating other yurks. That's kind of helpful. Okay, like, let's get our people and get out of here. Cassie loses her fucking shit. She is like, how do you get the yurks out of them? And Joe Bob goes, how do you think? And we can only assume this means, like, serial killering them and tearing their heads open and grabbing the ears <laughs> Hannibal Lecter! Yeah. It's, it's not a pleasant way to get to them. Um, so Cassie is, like, losing it. And Jake is not really wanting to tell Cassie, like, listen, he's killing Yerks. We have to let this dude go and just get our team and get out of here. And Cassie cuts him off. She's like, don't even say it. Like, don't say it. I will never look at you the same if you say those words to me. And uh, Cassie, like, literally, like, we need to kill this guy right here. And Jake says, okay, do it. And then Cassie goes, your morph is better at it than me. Mm. And she fucking chickens out and basically says, Jake, kill this guy for me. So, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was interesting. Because, like, she's obviously a pacifist. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, this scene baffled me more, like, not baffled me, but, like, it, this is the start of the problem I have with Cassie, is this. Don't look at Jake and say, how can you tell me that this guy killing people, killing Yerks, is a good thing when he's killing innocent bystanders that have real faces, real names? Because she mentions right after this that Gump is a real person that could get injured in this. Like, he's now in danger because of this, and Gump's dad could be killed because of this. And then, when it's like, okay, Cassie, like, stand up for yourself, do what you think you have to do, and she goes, no, I can't get my hands dirty, you do it. Like, this is the same problem Mm. I had with the fucking Chi in Marco's book. Like, how dare you? (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I can't stand it. Well, and, and... You know, at some point, I I don't remember which book it was, but she was talking to Jake and saying, like, I have to make this hard decision. And there was a question of, like, 
do you want me to make it for you? And I was like, oh shit, this is, this is, this is like that. And yeah. And uh, I'm just like flailing over here. Like I, uh, I'll have to come back to this. Yeah. And it's, it's also something that I think warrants a broader discussion other than like, you know, a small aside that we would have in this moment. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that like, I want to sit down and think on because there probably isn't a right answer. Like there's just no right way to go about doing this. But Cassie can't, it's, there's a couple of ways that I'm thinking of this. Like Cassie, I'm frustrated with her for trying to ask Jake to kill Joe Bob for her. Like I'm frustrated with this, but it's important that Cassie is making these sorts of distinctions when no one else can't because as you can tell i'm already trapped in it of like if he has to die for the greater good so be it and it's important that she asks is that something that we have to do or even like you know she's asking jake to do it for her and it's important that jake takes these moments to say i could make this decision for you but in this moment he says no you have to make this decision all of these are the important pieces of this conversation that are that we have to think about and like bring together <laughs> to like yeah. come to an outcome. And it's more than we can cover off in the time that we have. <laughs> sure. Same problem okay. as this entire book. These so questions we'll are bigger this. than we have time for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll come back to this, but this is a very pivotal moment. Yeah. I moving forward. I think so. Um, and, and basically what happens is nothing comes out of this. Jake basically says, let my friends go and we'll let you live right now. And uh, he makes a kind of a veiled threat. Like, if I ever see you on the street, all bets are off. But for this exact moment, if you give us our friends, we will let you live. And Joe Bob unfreezes them immediately, says, take your friends, lets them walk away completely unharassed. Um, Rachel starts coming too, which everybody is relieved by. And Jake says, Marco, go grab her. And Rachel start demorphing immediately. And she's like, there's people here. And, and Jake's like, it does not matter. Marco, grab her. Demorph. And as Rachel's being carried out of there, she starts to argue like, I don't want him to carry me. But then, you know, she's too weak to do anything about <laughs> it. Fucking Rachel. I know. I know. Priorities, dude. <laughs> I, and how must Marco be feeling from that comment oh. after the entire argument he had with Tobias earlier? Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Oh, no. I feel so bad. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's horrible. I know, isn't it? Oh. Oh, poor Marco. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But, um... But it could have been, like... Rachel being like, I don't need anyone to carry me. It, it, like, maybe it wasn't a dig at Marco. Maybe it was just like, I, I'm I'm Rachel. I can do whatever I want. And... That Yeah, that could be. That could totally but, be. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, he ends up carrying her out of there. And as they're, like, walking past all of the, like, destroyed house, Rachel's like, oh, man, did I miss a big fight? <laughs> like, she's just really pumped. So like, she chaotic. does not grasp the gravity of this situation at she's all. She's so fucking chaotic. She is. I love her. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Um, and then we, like, they get out of there, and we come to the end of this book where... Again, there's multiple questions that are set up that we just need to think about. So here they are in rapid order, um, or at least rapid thoughts, maybe not questions. But Jake is hanging out at his house. He goes into his backyard and is just kind of hanging out on the swing set. 
looking up at the stars, thinking about how much he hates them because they're dangerous. And his mom comes out and asks him the same sort of question that she did at the dinner that one night where she's like, hey, are you thinking like important thoughts or something like that? And they have this conversation about how being a teenager, you know, is kind of difficult. Like his grandma would always tell his, his mom when she was younger, like, you don't even know you're just a teenager. You don't understand like how bad things can get. And she and Jake kind of says, haha, yeah, I get that. And his mom goes, no, like you you have it even more difficult than we do because you don't have the two greatest assets that adults have, which are experience and the fact that I can look at you and say, no matter how bad I have it, it's not as bad as you have it. Yeah. Oh, man. That was a good conversation. That was another scene where I was just like, oh, this is so freaking good. Yeah, it was so good. And, like, this was one of the very first and possibly very last time that, like, as a kid, somebody who was in a position of power, even though, it, it you know, let's say it's K.A. Applegate talking to us, not Jake's mom, somebody in a position of power said, no, your feelings are valid and your concerns are valid and you go through shit, too. Yeah. And I think I've said to you before, not on this podcast, but just in general in life, like, remember when we were teenagers and we had all these emotions and they were the most important thing in the world because we had mm -hmm. never experienced them before, so they seemed so big? <laughs> That's, this is that, like, this is just a moment that, like, confirmed that for me. I was like, oh, yeah. I've thought about that before. So it's so important to address to kids too. Yeah. Like even if you know that like, oh, this isn't a big deal, they'll move past this, like they don't know that and it's just it's so good to validate your kids' feelings. It is. And it's so unfair that people dismiss them like, oh, this is, you know, childish concern. But yeah. right now that's the biggest thing in my world. <laughs> like Yeah. You know? Ugh. So um, that was, that was just a super important conversation, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next day at school, Jake realizes Cassie's not around, but he immediately knows where she is. So Jake leaves in the middle of the day, knowing he's going to get in trouble to find Cassie. He, he does find her and she's at an elementary school talking to a kid. He can't hear the conversation that's going on between the two of them. But he kind of swoops in and goes, hey, Cassie, and scares the crap out of her. And then he's like, so what did you just do? And she says, oh, I told him I was a magic wolf, and I told him not to go in the chat room anymore. And I told him not to talk to his dad. And then she breaks down because she's like, I told a little boy not to trust his parents. How fucked up is that? Mm -hmm. It is, but <laughs> I mean... I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot to be thought about and a lot to be said here because there are situations where kids can't trust their parents, but how do you discern that as a child? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just huge. Um, and then the final moment of this book was Jake going over to Cassie's and they don't talk and they don't try to rectify their differences in their beliefs. Um, that they've brought up throughout this book. They just hang out and they don't talk really. Um, or they just talk about stupid things. And Jake helps her splint a deer's broken leg. And he says it just feels good to do something simple and good and without all of these ramifications. And eventually the rest of the team shows up. 
but there's no talk, there's no mission, there's nothing important happening in this moment except for them coming together to laugh and joke with each other and enjoy this moment as kids. And that's it. I love it. I love this book. Oh. Oh my god, it's so important and beautiful and depressing. This is one of my favorite books so far. Like, it's one of the darker books, I think, that we've had so far. But mm-hmm. it's there's just so much good shit in it. And I just loved it. There's so much good shit. And, like, I, I don't know if I... Like, especially coming off of Cassie's last book. And we started to kind of hint at things in Marco's book. But this is, like, really starting to hit on the themes that we'll see throughout the rest of the series. Like, we're starting to hit some, like, the feelings and the problems and the tough decisions and the arguments that we are going to see come up again and again. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. Oh. It's so good. I love this book. (sighs) Well, um, speaking of our love of this book, I wanted to propose to you an idea for... Are the rest of our series. Oh God. Okay. It's. I think it's. I think it's good. I don't think it's an oh God. I think we're okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm like dread. No, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to cause dread. Um, no. Okay. What I was thinking is now that like we're in the thick of things and we're really knowing where these next five books net out. I was wondering if every time we get to a Jake book, if we should just look back and like which character book was our favorite. Oh, yeah. All right. I would definitely be down for that. Sweet. Because I think it's a good point to start. Yeah, and now that we're kind of building a cycle, everyone's had at least, like, three books, except for Tobias and Axe. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think we should absolutely start doing that. All right, sweet. So this will be the first one, and I think that it will be hard to beat it. Well, I won't say that. (laughs) Part of the reason I'm proposing is because I'm surprising myself when I read through these. Like, this book... I remember a lot of it when I think back on the series as a whole, like that fly scene, like where he gets squished as a fly and um, breaking into like the mansion and that like ticking time bomb sort of feeling as I'm reading it. I remember all of that, but I kind of forget, like I never pegged this as one of my favorites, but reading through it, it's probably one of my favorites that we've read so far. Yeah. Like by far, like probably the reaction in this book are my two favorites from what we've read so far (laughs) this is really good and really important there's a lot of important questions asked in this book yes and we have completely shattered jake like (laughs) broken yeah like when i like back in episode one when i told you that's my favorite version of jake because he's not broken yet we've shattered the first three layers oh no yeah like I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Like, I, I'm pretty, I feel very indifferent about Jake when I read everyone else's books. But then whenever we read a Jake book, I'm like, I love Jake. Like, I'm just absolutely reminded of how great he is. Yep. I totally agree with that. And it's always surprising too. Like, I forget how much goes on in Jake's head. And it's because mm-hmm. he's the leader and because he's not reacting in other books that it's like oh he is a one note character in other books 
And then we read his books and we're like, God damn, you're so dimensional. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's his best when it's his book. Whereas I I don't think I would say, I don't want to diss on Marco, but I, I don't like reading Marco's books, I think. Because that's not to say I don't like Marco as a character. I love Marco as a character. But like, reading his books just makes me so fucking sad. And um, I, I just, I enjoy him a lot more in other people's books. And I, I just, I feel like that sounds really insensitive because no. it harkens back to his book when I was like, you know, it's not fair for Marco to have to be the, the lighthearted one all the time. Yeah. Because it's absolutely right. not. But like, holy shit. Every time we read a Marco book, I'm like, all right, let's, let's saddle in. This is going to be sad as hell. Um, and that's really funny because, like, his fifth book was, like, our favorite. <laughs> the grocery book. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I need my Axie Boy back, though. Yeah, Axe books are, well, we have one coming up. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited about that. And that's, uh, where are we, 16? So in two books, Axe's book mm-hmm. will be the last book that you read. And that's the mosquito book, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, so just to pull back the curtain a little bit for the audience, at one point, I think I was backing up something on my hard drive, and I was just going through, um, I have the Animorphs on ebook, and I was just kind of going through all the files and just kind of looking at the cover art and being like, oh, they're going to turn to this animal, this animal. And I got to a certain point when I went, oh, shit, that's probably a spoiler. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I was kind of looking ahead a little bit because I'm a bad human. That is A-OK, and that's actually not the book I thought that you got the spoiler from, so. (laughs) There's an Andalite on the cover, that's all I'll say. (laughs) And I'm actually, um, after I read this book, um, like, I'm really, really, really enjoying reading these books, but this was, like, the first time where I was like, I don't want to wait for the next podcast. I want to keep reading. Like, I just want to, like, binge read all these books now. <sighs> Me too. I, I, so I suffer this terrible, terrible thing where I will be looking ahead at, like, because, you know, we're planning for, like, more guests and stuff for the, the side podcast and everything. And I'll, like, just be looking through the list and suddenly I'll, like, I'll stop on, like, a title or I'll see a bit of a description and I'll be like, oh, man, I can't wait till we get to that book. And I'll be like, that is a year away from now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, damn, I wish we were there. But, like, I I also don't. And the next book will be a Rachel book, which I am excited about. (laughs) So I can't wait for that. And then after that will be our Axe book. And then things get super dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm scared. Don't hurt my kids. Yep. Um, there's going to be a, an arc coming up that I think you're going to have the same feelings about where you're like, I don't want to stop reading. I have to get through this and no. How dare we have lives outside of this podcast that prevent us from just doing this podcast all the time. <laughs> To be honest, I feel that way. Maybe we should all quit our jobs. <laughs> I mean, I, I like my job a lot. My non-job, but... Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Your your job's important and awesome. And also, you should tell us what you're working on. Let's just start wrapping up right now, because that's a really good segue. And oh. tell us what you're working on, and please plug it here. Please. Okay. So, um, I am a webcomic artist. I write and draw a webcomic called Beside You, um, 
which is at www.bsideucomic.com. And that's B-side like, like the B-side of a record. But, or you can Google it. It is about music and romance, and it takes place in the early 2000s, um, and it's a good time. I just started updating again, because I've been injured uh, for the past four or five months, um, so I just started making more pages and updating again, so you should go check that out. Yeah, it's awesome, and beautiful, and I love it. <laughs> I'm just gonna make indignant noises. Just indignant noises. It's okay. It's okay. I'm pretty proud of it. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's awesome. Um, She's underselling it. Wow. But yes, um, it's very good. And you can also you have a Twitter, right? Or you use Twitter for it a lot. Talk about it a lot on Twitter. It's my Twitter is just basically me comics all the time. Um, and if you want to get on that, you can follow me at Casey Dumb. Um, so that's at Casey Dumb, K-A-Y-C-I-E-D-U-M-B. Um, yeah, so I'm on there a lot, so you can at me there. <laughs> <laughs> you can at me. <laughs> I give you permission to at me. That's so nice of uh, you. <laughs> cool. I appreciate your at consent. Anyway, enough about me. All right, back to Animorphs. Yes, if you want to find both of us and talk about Animorphs, um, you can email us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com that you can send me dissertations. I will respond. You can talk to us on Facebook. Um, We are at Animorphs Anonymous on Facebook. Or if you want to join our super duper awesome group where we get some awesome questions, it is uh, facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous or search Andalite Bandalites. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Animorphs Anonymous, on Instaslam at Animorphs Anonymous. Oh, sorry. Twitter's Animorphs Anon, isn't it? We couldn't get the whole yeah. thing. Okay. So it's at yeah. Animorphs Anon. I tried. We tried our best. Um, our, oh, we have a website, animorphsanonymous.com. And then we're on a bunch of crap like iTunes and and Stitcher and Podbean and Google Play and anywhere where fine podcasts are sold for zero 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 dollars. <laughs> Yay! You can leave us a review on iTunes, um, which people have already done. Thank you guys so much. <gasps> oh, really? We, we have more. We have well, we have the one which is my favorite, and we have gotten review. the one amazing review, and we've gotten a bunch of five star reviews, but with no words, just stars. Oh. I like stars, but I also like words. I like words, too. Yay. We say a lot of... Yes. Thank you, guys. Hey, listeners. Guess what? It's that time to announce the winner of the contest. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for, for the entire hour and 50-some-odd minutes you've been listening, waiting with bated breath, hopefully not passed out yet. Unless you skip to the end, which is just rude. Yeah. Go back and listen. How dare you? How dare you do this thing? How dare you open your presents early? What's wrong with you? We hid this in the closet specifically so you wouldn't see it until now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the official winner of this book that we wrote terrible things in is Trisha. Trisha! Last name redacted. Uh, Trisha! Trisha! Because I, I will explain why. Trisha sent us an entire Animorphs comic book, and it was the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. So She's, She made it in seventh grade for a book report on the Andalite Chronicles. Did. And the art is really good. Like, oh man. What is that noise? 
That's the ice cream truck in the background. <laughs> That's the fanfare is the ice cream truck. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Woo. Uh, but um, we also loved every submission that we got. Yes. So we're actually just sending a little something to everybody. So... Trisha, you get the book. Yay! Yay! But um, our, our other people, Alex, Jess, Maria, you guys are all going to be getting something too. So we'll we'll reach out for where you want us to send these things. Yay! Um, because seriously, we loved all of your submissions. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's been a delight. And we're definitely going to do one of these contests again in the future. Yeah, in, in the somewhat near future. I'm really excited for it. I am too. I'm wiggling like a tiny dog. Oh, don't pee your pants. Oh, too late. Stop peeing <laughs> your pants on live recording. I, I just, I'm such a wet blanket. We can't keep spending our podcast budget <laughs> on your pants. All right, all right, we're out, we're out. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>